Get out of here, kids! Get off of my lawn! Why, you young whippersnappers don't know how good you have it nowadays. Back in my age, when I first started adventuring, we didn't have all these fancy pants feats and special at-will powers. We had a sword, and we had a shield. And if we're lucky, maybe one of them was magical. But we liked it. We loved it. And we had to walk uphill 50 miles through eight feet of snow, carrying five sacks of junk on our backs when we wanted to go slay a dragon. We couldn't just teleport there with some fancy pants spell. And I lost my train of thought because I'm old. Okay, so enough of my old man voice. Uh, how you doing, Steve? I'm doing good. Okay, well... Welcome back to another episode of Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General Podcast. And this is part two of our old school series. Part one, we talked about video games and old school video games and where we felt the transition was from when, uh, you know, games started to go from being old school to new school. And part of our our thought process there was that it can it really is kind of hard to come up with a concrete definition of what old school and new school are because sometimes, it all depends on the matter of the perspective of the person yep and we also have to consider that video games are rapidly changing and part of that has to do of course with uh, the advances in technology now Role-playing games in a way, and for this episode, we're going to be focusing on tabletop role-playing games, Dungeons and Dragons and the like. That's a different animal in a way, because tabletop role-playing games, since it relies a lot on imagination, you don't really have the technology factor there. Because with video games, of course, you are limited. Obviously, someone who programmed a video game for the Atari 2600 was working under uh, very limited processing and computer power. Whereas someone who programs games for the PlayStation 4 or the X1 or the Wii U, the, you know, the current generation, they can do things with their video games that the person who programmed for Atari back in the day may have never thought possible. Also on top of that, you know, if they couldn't think of it at the time, you got the download content. You make a very good point. It's possible that someone may have thought up with a great idea for a game, but it wasn't able to make it in production. So I will offer it as DLC. Yep. For this episode, as I mentioned, we are going to, Steve and I are once again going to be showing what uh, old fogies we are. Um, next year, both of us reach the ripe old age of 40, which... Uh, yeah, my, my wife's sitting here listening to me and she, uh, she giggled at me. So anyways, but like I said, Steve and I are once again going to do another episode rambling on about how we're a couple of, uh, grumpy old men and reminiscing about the good old days of tabletop role-playing games. Yep. And how you young whippersnappers, you don't know how good you have it when you have characters with all these options when, well, Steve. Let's say that you were playing basic D&D and you created a fighter. What did you have to start with at first level? Pretty much the armor on your back, a sword, and a shield. 
Yep, and 1d8 hit points. And of course that did eventually uh, start to change as the additions uh, began to change. For example, when we get to first edition, you're up to 1d10 hit points now at first level, but you started to get some more options. For example, in the basic rules, a fighter with a strength of 18 gained the same bonuses as a thief or a wizard or a priest with a, a strength of 18. But in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, they changed it where, uh, remember they had the exceptional strength where- uh, Where you reached 18, it was like 18 then zero one to 100. Yep, and only fighters though, uh, fighters, rangers, and paladins could get that exceptional strength because again, so to show that a warrior with a strength of 18, he's gonna have probably done more to develop his physical strength than say a wizard who has a strength of 18. Um, and I, another example is constitution. Again, warriors uh, gained a plus three, plus three hit points with a constitution of 17 and plus four with a constitution of 18. Whereas all other classes only gained a plus two with uh, 16, 17, or 18. Okay, my wife here is raising her hand like she wants to ask a question. Yes, honey? Did you have zombies or teleports? Shut up. My wife was asking if we had zombies and teleports. They're cool. Okay. Yes, we had zombies, and you didn't get teleport until you gained a few levels. Why? Because that's how it was. That's dumb. No, it's not. It's old school. New school is better. Okay, well, my wife thinks new school is better, but we're going to have to uh, debate I'm on sure that. I'm sure that she can hear, because I can hear her on my end, so she's probably getting recorded also. Yep, so that means you have to be you have to be quiet, honey. I know that's going to be hard for you to, to keep your mouth shut. Oh, I just got the look. You know what? Yeah, I was about to comment. Well, while you're talking, she can be behind you making I've weird faces mind. at you. I've got my Minecraft foam sword. Yes, she's uh, shaking our son's uh, Minecraft foam sword at me. So I, which is new school. Which is new school, yes. Which I, I, I'm, I'm shaking in my, uh, my, my uh, slippers here, honey bunny. But yeah, I just got the look of celibacy. Anyways, carrying on. So again, as we, the fighter class evolved. Now in first edition, not only did you get uh, bonuses for having exceptional strength and for high constitution, you could specialize now. A fighter could be a little bit better in uh, a weapon than say a ranger or a paladin or anyone else who could use that same weapon. Any other thoughts on first edition before we move on to second edition? Well, basically the big difference in first edition is you were pretty much limited. When you picked fighter, that was it. You were a fighter. Thief was the thief. Mage or wizard was the major wizard. Cleric was the cleric. My wife just, uh, she's writing stuff on pieces of paper and showing them to me. She, My wife is a Walking Dead fan. And I watch the show too, but she was asking if there's a character like Daryl. Now, Steve, do you watch The Walking Dead? I can't say I do. I've seen a few episodes, so I know the concept of the series. You know who Daryl is? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I would guess that probably these, the, the closest to Daryl would be 
maybe like a fighter who specializes in crossbows. Is this yeah. zombies? Yes, I'm sure he could kill zombies. We can make a special character. Next time we play second edition D&D, we can make a character kit. Zombie Slayer. Second edition. Why can't I do the newest edition and then give them all the tools? Why can't I use? Why can't we do fifth edition yet? Because I haven't completely read through the rules yet, and I, the only other person I know who has a fifth edition handbook is pretty busy. But well, I'm sure we can talk about fifth edition D and D um, somewhere down the line. Okay, so um, another interesting aspect of the transition from basic to first edition was if you did want to be a warrior, you didn't have to necessarily be just a plain old fighter. Uh, they also introduced a couple other warrior classes that were considered separate from the fighter, and that was the, the ranger and the paladin. Now, technically, they did have paladins in basic. Uh, have, are you familiar with the companion and master rules? Uh, not really, because like I said, it's been a while, and where I'm at, I don't have that many uh, tabletop role players to play with anymore. So most of my tabletop game systems have been sitting on a shelf collecting dust. Mm -hmm. uh, the way that, because the, the mass, I think it was in the Companions book, um, they introduced a rule for higher level fighters. Once you reached a certain level, you could opt to be a like a specialty class fighter if you are lawful and again you going back to a remember if you go back to our episode we talked about alignments remember lawful was considered the default good alignment and chaotic was considered the default evil alignment but if you were a lawful fighter you could become a paladin if you were a neutral fighter or if you were a lawful fighter who didn't meet certain requirements you could become a knight and if you were a chaotic fighter, you could become an Avenger. It's been a long time since I've seen those books, so I don't remember all that's all the details there. But you know, again, it's just kind of interesting how even in basic they did try to introduce some new options for fighters. Let's move on now to second edition. Uh, one of the editions of D D that Steve and I uh have a great deal of familiarity with. That's the game systems we basically really started playing together with yep. at about that time. Yep. And of course, with uh, second edition, we're starting to see characters evolve more. Not only could you, did you have different options, but you could learn skills, non-weapon proficiencies, and, you know, of course, weapon proficiencies. Going back to our basic fighter, you know, he might, if he had like a really good dexterity, he might choose to specialize in bows and be the party's archer. Or if he had a really high strength, he might choose to specialize in a sword or axe and be more or less your, your tank, your melee fighter. Yep. And yes, Roz, my wife's waving her, raising her hand, though I know you guys can't see it. Could you ever become the Bobby Flay of the dungeon world? The Bobby Flay of the Dungeon World. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna. I maybe I'm out of touch. Who's Bobby Flay? Oh my God, Steve he's, knows he's who's Bobby. Cook. He's one of the famous cooks that deal with southwestern cooking. Now. Okay. Anyways, moving on. Since I Steve could answer it. Okay, Steve, you want to take that question? Could could someone <laughs> become a Bobby Flay? 
Yeah, because that's the one things with the non-weapon proficiencies. They allowed more reliance on skills instead of just being able to hack and slash. So if you wanted a character that was basically the Bobby Flay of a fantasy realm, you actually could be a Bobby Flay of the fantasy realm. That's right. You could choose that. That slipped my mind. I didn't make the connection. I guess, again, that's because I'm getting old and my memory is not what it used to be. But yeah, that is... That's why you now have a wife to help you remember. Yep. But yeah, it's a good point. Um, that's one of the nice things about uh, weapon proficiencies. You could be a more diversified. Um, so that really shifted the emphasis towards not just stuff you do in combat, but do things out of combat. Like, again, let's say the Bobby Flay of the D&D world. Like, let's say your characters, the party encountered an ogre who threatened to eat them unless someone could cook them a really good meal. Now, if, if you had Sir Bobby Flay in your party, he could make a non-weapon proficiency check, and guess what? You've just cooked something really good, and you've saved the party from becoming the ogre's next meal. Couldn't he cook the ogre? <sighs> Moving on. Don't listen to the don't listen to my uh, the peanut gallery over here. Also, another rule which I don't know if you used it. My groups never really used it. Secondary skills. Well, I really never had a need to really play it because most of it was like the basic non-weapon proficiencies you know like cooking and basically hack and slash the way that it was set up your character could use either secondary skill or non-weapon proficiencies but it wasn't recommended you do both um for example cooking or i believe cook would be an example of a secondary skill so instead of spending non-weapon proficiency points to gain skills in like cooking or food preservation, um, anything like that, it would assume that if you were, if you chose cook as your secondary skill, you were familiar with cooking. So you might know how to properly prepare food. You might know a little bit about what plants make the best and herbs make the best seasoning. You might know a bit about food preparation. And so it was, a, in a way, it was a little more flexible. Yeah, your character was limited to one set of one area of expertise but you would assume that he's a lot better on that because someone who just has the cooking non-weapon proficiency you basically know enough about cooking to not give yourself food poisoning whereas if you had the secondary skill for cook that would essentially mean well you're you've had more training so you're a really good cook yep my wife is grinning at me and raising her hand again. Could you have a tertiary skill? Like, I want to be the Bobby Flay and the Bob Ross? No, moving on. So, <laughs> another thing that uh, another thing that we were actually talking about before we started recording, um, Second Edition also introduced the fine art of the splat book. Uh, now, Steve, do you know what a splat book is? Have you ever heard, I've the, heard term? the term? But, like I said... I got a bad case of CRS. Yep. The, you can't remember that terminology and what it means. When you tell me, I'm probably going to go, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that just shows how old school you are, that you don't know, what, you're not really sure what the term splat book means. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but basically a splat book, the way I've heard it defined, and again, for anyone who doesn't know. I know what it is. We are not I listening. I know what it is. Know what, it's when you take the book and you, I say, honey, there's a spider, and I go, 
No. <laughs> Anyways, um, a splat book is the term that uh, gamers give to things like, remember, the complete fighter's handbook, the complete thief's handbook, the complete wizard uh, handbook. You know, these are things that are outside of the core rules that you don't really need them to play. Like, for example, the complete fighter's handbook. You don't need it to play a fighter, but it does have some really cool things in it that you can do with your fighter. But another thing we were talking about before uh, that Splatbooks for second edition introduced was the character kit. Now, uh, Steve, did you use a lot of character kits when you played uh, uh, second edition? I didn't really play kits too much. There's one kit that I liked was called Shadow Walker, which was basically a thief that had minor magical ability. Yeah, and that's one of the things I did like about the, uh, the you know, the splat books, the complete books, is they gave you more options that you could use to make your, you know, that like your thief there, and you said the Shadow Walker, uh, that makes him different than just a regular thief. One of my favorite books was the Ranger's Handbook. Um, I think I may have mentioned this before, but when back in the day and you know, even to this day when I play characters, well, the Ranger is one of my favorite character classes. And so the Ranger Handbook was one that I used quite a bit. And the one of my favorite Ranger kits I played was the Justifier, which was essentially a, mili uh, a Ranger that had better than average combat abilities. They could choose one weapon to specialize in. They had really good hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat abilities. They could um, get a tactical advantage on their enemies. And they could also train an animal follower to do a coordinated attack. But again, on the flip side, the disadvantage is they only started with one non-weapon proficiency. And they also didn't gain their ranger spells until later on. Um, and they didn't gain as many. And again, that's because they focus so much on their their combat skills that they really they they don't focus as much on their magic and uh, and non weapon skills. So personally, yeah, I know the one ranger kit that I tried playing was the one that was more related to the sea ranger, mm -hmm. or the one where he had more benefits when he was in the water than he was on land. Yep. And considering the fact that you're in the Navy, that makes sense for you, right? Yep. It's the reason why I tried the Sea Ranger. So, you know, again, and I personally, one of the things I liked about the, 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 the complete handbooks for second edition, most of the kits from my experience were pretty well balanced. Um, so while, yeah, they, if they did give you a couple of really cool abilities, they would balance it off with some not so cool hindrances. Um, another example, like the thieves, for some of the thief kits in the thieves handbook, usually there was a trade-off, like for example, the scout was a thief that was trained more in wilderness. Um, he received a plus 10% to climb and move silent, or, I'm sorry, not climb, uh, move silently, hide in shadows when in the a wilderness setting, but on the downside, he suffered a minus 5% to all his thieving skills in an urban environment. Because again, he focuses more on moving stealthily through the wilderness as opposed to picking pockets or breaking into buildings. So the 
any uh oh yes and also in second edition did you ever now did you ever get any of the books that came out near the end of the second editions run like the skills and powers book and the options book i think i i had gotten a few of them not much time to uh play with them let's just say yeah and uh one of the things now i i think it's called the skills and powers book but one of the things i liked about that and I do apologize. I had I have my memory's a little fuzzy on it because I've paged through it, but I haven't old. actually. Yes, I am old. I know. Um, kind of got a comment from my wife over here, but uh, one of the things they did in that, which I thought was kind of cool, was they tried to make a little more flexibility in character creation. Um, again, using the ranger as an example. Well, first of all, they gave each character kit. I'm sorry, each character class. A certain number of, of starting points that you could use to develop your character. Now, rangers, they gain uh, limited priest spells at a higher level. But let's say that you wanted to have your ranger be able to backstab like a thief. Well, it gave you this option where you could uh, spend points to, instead of using those points to buy spells at higher levels, you could use those points to gain the backstab ability so again if you wanted to play more of a you know a more of a combat oriented ranger than the fighter magic type one that a normal ranger was but again these books were they did have uh the advantage of helping you make your character different Ooh, could uh, you play vampires and werewolves not, not well, actually, not really in second edition, but in basic. I don't know if you heard my did you hear my wife's question about if you can play vampires and werewolves. Well, they actually did have a supplement in basic D and D called the Creature Crucible series, and there is one called Night Howlers, which I I've never read it, but from what I've heard of it, I know it does let you use were creatures. I'm not sure if it does undead or not, but. Yes, given a chance, you can play. <laughs> but I would want to play a masquerade character in there. Wouldn't I be able to? No, because that's a White Wolf product, and we're talking about D&D, silly girl. Okay, but anyway. It, it says, you're saying it allows for flexibility. Not that much flexibility. Go away. Anyways. Steve, would you let me play a vampire or as far as a werewolf character? Uh, I'm sure that there's uh, restrictions on it, but... You could play it. Steve would be nice to me. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> okay, well, anyways, carrying on. So now we reach 3rd edition. And, of course, when 3rd edition D&D came out, lots of changes. Uh, Steve, do you think the changes you saw from 2nd to 3rd, uh, were there, do you think they were overall good, bad, neutral? I mean, are there some things that, what are some things that you liked, some things that you didn't like? Well, from my perspective, when I was paging through the third edition book, it's like mostly dealing with brand new stuff because I'm used to, you know, second edition. I know their rules, how to deal with it and all that. And then third edition comes out and they change the rules around. Mm -hmm. So my thing was, is it's like, but I know how to play it this way. I don't know how to play it that way. I basically got to relearn the entire system now. 
Yeah, and that's this might be a little off topic. And again, maybe this just shows how old school we are. But now don't get me wrong. I'm I may sound like I'm bashing Wizards of the Coast. I'm not. I I don't mean to. Um honestly, I'm glad Wizards did take did buy out TSR and that they did continue the D&D brand because I think that, well, first of all, if they didn't buy it out and they just let TSR go under, well, then no one would be able to play D&D unless you found someone who uh, still played the older games. But I do like that Wizards has kept the D&D brand alive, even if it's not the D&D that we're used to from when we were kids. And the fact that Wizards of the Coast is now uh, selling uh, PDFs of these older these older books, that's great because let's say that you really want a copy of the complete Barbarian's Handbook, but you can't find it at any of your local used bookstores and you don't want to pay $50 for it on eBay. Well, you can go to uh, any site where Wizards sells their PDFs and pick it up for a reasonable price. So I don't think anyone from Wizards will listen to this, but in case anyone from Wizards of the Coast uh, does happen to listen to this podcast, thank you for not letting the uh, Dungeons and Dragons brand vanish into the dustbin of history. So yeah, I, yeah my hat's off to you guys. Um, so again, yeah, third, this is one of the things that though, like I said, this is why I apologize if I come off sounding like I'm bashing Wizards. Uh, one of the things that I personally don't like is as they've uh, changed, you know, they've gone through third edition, fourth edition, and now fifth edition. Well, the rules are, some of the core rules are still pretty much the same. It's just each of those editions is somewhat unique and has some unique factors that aren't present in the other editions. So I guess I would compare, now Steve, have you used Windows 8 yet? Uh, only on my laptop. That's the only thing I got that has Windows 8 on it. Yeah, so let's compare game systems. And this is not just, again, I'm not picking singling out Wizards here, but any game system where they, they release um, like a second, third, fourth, etc. edition. In a way, think of these editions like operating systems for a computer. Uh, for example, when they went from Windows... Uh, like Windows XP to Windows Vista, and then Windows Vista to Windows 7, you know, there were some things that did change and get used that you had to get used to. But other than that, it still wasn't too hard to uh, to, to transition from Windows XP to Windows Vista or Windows Vista to Windows 7. But when Microsoft came out to Windows 8, well, I don't. What's your opinion on Windows 8, Steve? Again, I know we're getting a little off topic, but I promise there's. I have a point to all this. So, well, like like I said when dealing with third edition, it's like okay, it's brand new. I got used to the old operating systems, then they come out with this new one, and it's like. Great. Now I got to relearn everything in order for me to uh, work my computer again. Exactly. And I can see a lot of it makes sense if you were on a tablet. Not everyone uses tablets with touchscreens. We still use laptops and desktops. Okay, now that I got my rant on Windows 8 out of the way, 
Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about what Wizards of the Coast did with the D&D brand. Now, I want to say that I may sound like I'm bashing Wizards of the Coast. I don't mean to. This is just my honest opinion as someone who's played Dungeons and Dragons for many years. Now, again, as we were saying before, it's frustrating when you have operating systems make all these drastic changes, so you have to relearn it a lot of stuff instead of just relearn instead of just adding on to what you already know. One of my personal biggest criticisms about what Wizards has done with the D&D brand is how the new additions they're releasing are no longer backwards compatible. One of the nice things about basic first and second edition is those three editions are similar enough where you can use a character from one of those editions with characters from another. Well, okay, for those who've never played basic D&D, basic D&D elves were essentially fighter magic users. Now, let's say you had this uh, fighter, you know, this elf that you created in basic D&D and your friends moved on to advanced D&D, you could still continue to play, for the most part, you could continue to play that same character with only having to make a few minor adjustments. Uh, same thing when we moved from first edition to second edition. The core rules were very, very similar. Now, there were some things that did go through major changes. Uh, my favorite class, the Ranger. Again, first edition Rangers, they uh, received the ability to use uh, limited Druid and Magic user spells. Whereas a second edition Ranger could only use Priest spells that had to do with plants and animals. Well, again, it's while it is a significant difference, you could still play a first edition ranger in a second edition uh, campaign. It was also nice because that way you could use any material you had from first edition in a second edition campaign without having to do too much in the way of conversion or adjustments. But when Wizards took over, they redid a lot of things. Now, again, I want to say that I do like some of the changes that Wizards made with uh, third edition, but one of the problems was those of us who were in second edition and were used to that edition, now we had to relearn everything. And from what I understand, trying to convert a character from first or second edition into third edition wasn't always very easy. Yeah, you're basically having to recreate your character totally from scratch and pray most of your abilities carried over. And that's a good point because some abilities, depending on the class, didn't always uh, go over very well. A good example. Now, are you familiar with a, a bard in first edition? Vaguely, yes. Yeah, because for those who don't know, in first edition, and if you wanted to play a bard, um, I believe you had to start out as a fighter, be a fighter for a certain number of levels, then become a thief, be a thief for a certain number of levels, and then become a druid and be a druid for a few levels. And then guess what? I'm a first level bard who has uh, skills of a fighter, a thief, and a druid. I really don't see how could that could really smoothly translate into a into a third edition bard. But again, I want to say this again, I'm not bashing third edition. 
I've played a few games of it. It's not bad. It just, I still prefer second editions, but that's just me. So, again, we run into this problem where now you have to pretty much recreate your character. And then fourth edition came out. And they did keep some of the same things, like, uh, you know, again, the, the armor class where your armor class of 20 is better than an armor class of 10. And uh, they still had the, I believe they still had the three saving throws instead of the, like, five that there were in the previous edition. But now you had the addition of feats and power, about, I'm sorry, not feats, powers. You know, your at-will powers, your daily powers, your encounter powers. And, of course, you still had your feats, but, you know, again, it's not really exactly easy to translate a third edition into a fourth edition. And, of course, when they came out with fifth edition, I do have the fifth edition handbook. Now, have you picked it up yet, Steve? No, it, pretty much I stopped getting D&D books when third edition came out. I got more into the other role-playing type systems. Well, you are in luck, though. And this is, again, this is a very, very, very good decision on Wizards of the Coast part, as far as I'm concerned. You can go to Wizards of the Coast website, and you can download the basic rules for 5th edition. Um, essentially, what that does, it tells you how to play a character level 1 through 20. It only gives you the four basic classes, fighter, thief, magic user, and wizard, and cleric, and the four basic races human, dwarf, elf, and halfling. But I would recommend that you, uh, not just you, but of course anyone, I'd certainly recommend picking it up because at least this gives you a chance to look at how the rules are before you decide that you want to commit and buy, spend $50 on a brand new player's handbook. So Wizards, thumbs up to you. I think that was a very good decision. Overall, from what I've seen of and read in the 5th edition handbook, I do like how it's shaped up. I do like some of the, the changes they've made. Again, it sounds like it's trying to be more of a combination of second and third edition. But again, the fact remains that, well, now they're no longer supporting fourth edition, at least I don't think they are. So now you have to go out and buy a new monster manual, a new game master's guide, and a new player's guide. And of course, I'm sure they're gonna continue with the time-honored tradition of releasing tons of splat books yeah the additional uh rules that they couldn't all fit in one book yeah and uh you know again every since second edition you know like yeah every edition has had its fair share of splat books like again fourth edition there was like player's manual one and player's manual two and i think there was also a player's manual three um but anyways i digress so honestly from what I've seen, like I said, from what I've seen in third and fifth edition, I like what I see. So personally, first of all, I hope that when Wizards does release second edition, I'm sorry, I'm thinking back to second edition, shows you where my head is at. Um, I hope if Wizards does decide to release a sixth edition of D&D, first of all, I hope it's not for at least another 10 years. Because I, again, I don't like how the edition lives are getting shorter, but that's a topic for another day. I hope that if they do release a sixth edition someday, they make the new edition 100% compatible or at least like 90% compatible with fifth edition. So to get back on track, now I don't know how you feel about this subject, Steve, but 
when third edition came out, that's where I personally felt that we started to move from the transition from old school to new school. Old school, again, it's usually a little more simple, simplistic rules. It leaves more to game master's uh, discretion. It focuses more on the story. Uh, your characters don't get as much to play with. But third edition, well, what's one of the things we remember about third edition, Steve? Well, like I said, I've only really paged through the third edition book just to see what it was like. And for me, the most part was, is, man, this is an entirely new system. I'm going to have to totally relearn it. I do see how they still wanted to try to do some flexibility. Uh, for example, skills played a more prominent role in third edition. But one of the things that I did like is, well, it, you technically you could do this in second edition as well. But if you wanted to learn, say, if you're a fighter and you want to learn a thief skill, you can. It's just going to cost you more points to learn it. I also like what they did with multiclassing in third edition, where, uh, like, let's say that you wanted to be a fighter, but you wanted to pick up a few clerical levels so that way you could have some healing spells just in case. Again, as far as I'm concerned, great idea. But I think third edition. And started to get a little carried away was with the numbers. And that's, I, I don't know, have you talked to many people who've played third edition in, in a, a, any great amount? No. Mostly on my end, I'm basically hunting for people that <laughs> still do the tabletop at all. Mostly it's, you know, online video games type RPG and now. Yeah, and um, again, from the people that I've talked to that have played more third edition than I have, uh, the biggest gripe that some of them have is, yeah, the numbers just get too carried away. Uh, now, if you have, are you familiar with 4th edition at all? No. no. I said, the moment I got to 3rd edition, I realized, yeah, I'm not going to bother with it anymore. Because one, why am I getting books and I really have no one to play with? Yeah, and that's, of course, that's one of the biggest problems that it's going to face gamers. Well, it's been a problem that gamers have faced ever since. Uh, tabletop role-playing games came out. If you don't have anyone to play with, well, your game books really don't do much good for you. You know, again, from when we moved to fourth edition, you know, again, it seemed it was more about, at least from my experience with it, fourth edition seemed it, it was still more about the players and how many cool off-the-wall powers you had as opposed to the story. That's based on my limited experience with it. I will admit my experience with 4th edition has been limited, but that's what I took away from it. Can't say too, too much about 5th edition yet. I know you said you haven't uh, had a chance to play it yet, but or see it yet. But uh, again, just from my experience looking at it, like what I see, and I hope Wizards keeps this uh, rule set around for a while. Okay, so we're, we've been rambling for quite a while. And again, I want to reiterate, I know I probably seemed like I was bashing Wizards and Dungeons and Dragons. I, if I come off that way, I apologize. I'm glad Wizards did take over the D&D brand. Wasn't too terribly fond of some of the things they've done with it, but 5th edition, from my paging through the handbook, has gotten me excited about playing a new edition of D&D. Um, but to wrap it up, Steve, so 
how do you think would be, or what do you think would be the best way to determine what the difference between an old school role-playing game and a new school role-playing game is? I think it would come down to is what the matter of the game is. Is it going to be more storyline, story world orientated, where you're dealing with the world and you're just this hack and slash type character? Or is it going towards how your character is developed, where it's more centered on your character and how their character is involved in the realm you're in? Because uh, that's how I've always seen it too, where old school games are ones where there's, it's more imagination driven. Uh, the rules tend to be a little simpler. There's more room for, for, for game master's discretion. For yeah, for interpretation. Whereas what, what we've seen with the new school, and again, just using D&D as an example, uh, once in the later stages of second edition um, on through third edition, is it started to focus more on what your character can do. And this is something that we could probably ramble on for a while about, but why do we? Why do you think it is? Why do you think game? What's your opinion on why game designers seem to have needed to go this route where we do focus on more character options instead of having players use their imagination? I think it's because the game companies have to uh, be more towards the new generation of people to keep the interest going because we're becoming more technologically advanced you know a lot of things is now going more online so the means of you know getting a group of friends together sitting around a table and just playing a round of you know tabletop rpg is slowly going away yep uh, that's true um a few years ago uh, I was at a game convention in Milwaukee called Game Fest. I believe this was like the year or two after Gen Con had moved out to Indianapolis. I got to sit in on a discussion that Gary Gygax was, given, was giving. And that's one of the things he mentioned too is that, yeah, some, in some ways it's hard for tabletop role-playing games to compete with online games. Because let's think about it. If you're going to be playing you know, Dungeons and Dragons with your friends, you got to arrange a time that everyone can be there. Uh, you know, so of course there's usually going to be someone who stumbles in a half hour late. One person has to be the game master so everyone else can play their characters. Uh, then of course, if you're hosting at your house, you know, you might decide that you might have to clean up your house a bit. Uh, you might have to go out and get refreshments or tell people, okay, bring your own bottle. But, you know, as, as Gary Gygax was saying, you don't have to worry about that with an online role-playing game. You just log in and, hey, you get to play. Uh, now, as I recall, his opinion was he didn't necessarily think it was going to destroy the role-playing game industry. But, you know, in a way, it, it doesn't exactly help. And as a game designer, myself and uh, any other game designers that listen to it, you know, this in a way we have to try to find a way to make our games relatable to these people who are mostly into online role playing games. And uh, I was at a 
game convention a few weeks ago in, in Oshkosh, I was talking with uh, another old, well, gentleman a little older than me. You know, again, we were talking about, uh, you know, old school and games and how games have evolved. Uh, his observation that with fourth edition, one of the reasons they changed it so drastically is that they were hoping to pull in the uh, the World of Warcraft, the EverQuest, the online RPG crowd. And whether it did that successfully, I guess is up for a matter of debate. Because while I think they fourth edition may have been a little more relatable to people who are used to these online games, a lot of us old schoolers, you know, the people who do prefer the more story-driven RPGs we weren't really too fond of a lot of the decisions. So some of us are like, okay, yeah, fourth edition, we're going to skip it. But that's about all I have to say for matter right now. Um, do you have any closing thoughts, Steve? Dealing with uh, old school, new school. I think it comes down to the generation that views it. You get our generation. We're more the tabletop type of role players where generation like your son He's more of the technological age, so he's more of the online type type of role player. So trying to hook up, you know, with that generation to ours, that's where I think our connection from old school to new school is. Yeah, so we have to, you know, I think, again, speaking as a game designer, the trick is trying to make games that are going to appeal to both route, you know, both crowds. Something that's going to appeal to the people who prefer more story driven, but still appeals to the people who like having tons of character options. So I think we've talked this time, we have uh, talked to this topic to uh, death for now. So uh, you have no more closing thoughts, Steve? I don't have anything else to say on this matter for now. So uh, yeah, we can always bring it back up on a later topic. Yep. So uh, again, please feel free to visit my website poigamestudio.com. I do have a contact form through there. So uh, you have any comments, suggestions, feel free to send them to me. Uh, if you Maybe if you have an idea for a future show, something you'd like to see us discuss, please feel free to, to send, those, uh, send those suggestions. If you have any criticisms, again, please feel free. I mean, we're always open. Steve and I are pretty new at this. So I know we seem kind of a rust, I guess we could say we seem kind of rough. I was going to say rusty, but we haven't been doing this long enough to be rusty. Um, <laughs> but we may seem kind of rough, and that's because podcasting is something that we're both pretty new to. So we're still getting our feet wet. So, you know, if you do decide to send us uh, criticism, please just don't say, you guys suck and I hate your guts. You know, say, ah, this is what I don't like. And, you know, maybe try this. We're, like I said, we're reasonable guys. We're open to constructive criticism. So with that being said, just like to say everyone uh, have a good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and happy gaming. Talk to you guys later. Yeah.